right, special guest today on the Win Daily Show. I have Jeffrey Baseball Sports, Executive Vice President of Corporate Strategies and Development at Yahoo Sports Radio, formerly of Fox Sports and many, many other stations that start with a W. Jeffrey, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks for having me on. I hope you don't mind. I'm still in my pajamas, you know, being quarantined. You know, uh, being quarantined's a pretty easy thing. You know, we order out, we get food sent to us, and so I'm living large. And I'm proud to be on with Wind Daily and with you. The pleasure is all mine. You've been doing this thing uh, almost two times as long as I've been alive. So I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, but the first question I have for you, Jeff, I mean, you've been doing this thing for so long. You've been in this, you know, this thing we call life for so long. How do you make sure that you're winning each and every single day? Well, the first thing I always learned, uh, and I think I learned it from, you know, we all have that smartest person in the world, usually our father. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, my father was, uh, I was an only child. My father hardly ever made money. My mom and dad, actually, when I was in high school, uh, no violins, please, for me. But when I was in high school, I lived, uh, my bedroom was the dining room because my parents uh, couldn't afford uh, anything more than a one-bedroom apartment. But my dad used to tell me, you're winning every day when those eyes open up in the morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's winning. You beat the system. And I look at now being a, a senior citizen uh, that gets allowed to shop in a grocery store before the masses come in. But um, I, I, your eyes opening up every morning, you won. Let's go through the day and let's try again tomorrow. Exactly. And, um, you know, uh, it was a good life lesson. Be grateful every day. As you said, yeah. your feet touch the floor. Be happy that you can do that. <laughs> if your eyes open up, be happy you could do that. And it's, uh, you know, you go on living life and, and doing everything you can to continue to win, whether that's at sports, right. whether that's at life. Just try and take home the money in whatever capacity. So as I said, right. and I think your listeners right now, Michael, can appreciate because probably 90% of them are now listening to it at home. Mm -hmm. uh, and you brought up uh, every day to make money and everything else. And Win Daily was designed to help people win money. Uh, this is a rough patch, but you know what? Uh, go back and look at history. Uh, people survived the Spanish flu. People survived, obviously, 9-11. Uh, we'll get through this. Don't know how long it'll take. We'll get through this. And then another philosophy is what we all grew up with. The strong survive mm -hmm. and the strong will survive this too. And, uh, yeah, we just don't know the time limit. Exactly. And I think no matter what the time limit is, do something with the time try and try and come out of this you know obviously it's unfortunate and we don't want to spend the whole time you know i got you here i don't want to spend the whole time talking about this but i do agree do something with this time take advantage yeah. of it because this has never happened before um at least in in this iteration of planet earth and we don't we don't usually get this time at a minimum i'd say 99 percent of people now at least don't have a commute to work that should right. be somewhere between a half an hour to an hour and a half for most people that drive into work do something with that and, time. Don't just wake remember up one time. I live uh, here in L.A. now, uh, originally from Chicago, but living out in L.A., we have some of the cleanest air we've had uh, in decades here because there's no cars out there. Uh, it sucks, but you know what? Uh, recommit yourself to the family because there's nothing more important. 
than the family. And, uh, you know, my kids and I and my wife, we uh, FaceTime twice a week. Um, we hadn't done that before. And uh, just look at this as a positive. Look at this as, you know, I used to always say, how come teachers get the summer off? Why don't I get the summer off? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was in radio, why can't I have, uh, you know, uh, June through September off? And uh, so look at this as a little vacation without being paid. And I apologize for that. But when everything comes back, they'll need win daily more important than any be ever before. You have no idea. We're here to make everyone money. So hopefully we can recoup some of that money that you did lose. <laughs> but um, no, Jeff, I really, again, I really appreciate you taking some time. You know, I, no as problem. I said before, you've been in, you know, you've been in the radio business for almost 50 50 years at this point. Most of uh, well, which... Actually, more was in, I think, uh, 70, 1970 was uh, my start in radio. Okay. And uh, here we are, 2020. Yeah, I was in it for 47 years because I've been retired from full-time mm -hmm. uh, activity uh, for now three years. So I was in radio for 47 years, taking a little break in those 47 years where you asked me about, you know, I ran my own company. Part of that was, Michael, I ran away because I'm a very anti-spirited person that if I disagree with my boss, I'm not going to shut up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, it just with this. And so it forced me two times in my career to try to start my own company. And it was successful uh, one time, especially. But, you know, when I believe in something, I believe in it. And, uh, you know, and I just won't take I don't believe in taking no for an answer. And, uh, you know, some people don't want to take my yes answer. So whatever. Uh, I ran away from radio twice and I wouldn't be in radio today. I wouldn't be in that antiquated situational format that, let's face it, is designed radio really was designed for morning and afternoon drive mm -hmm. at this age in time. I used to love listening to radio when I was a teenager, but don't forget when I was a teenager, it was the 1960s. And uh, I would come home from school and put on the radio. Radio was more of a lifestyle before television became more than just, the young people don't realize television used to be only three networks and one local station. And by the way, for uh, the millennials out there, the remote control used to be called your legs. Get off the couch and go change the channel. <laughs> I, I don't think I could survive back then, Jeff. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> well, right you now, did. I don't think I could survive that anymore, but whatever. <laughs> you know, exactly. That's the way it used to be. You know, a radio, the new form uh, of radio, the podcasting, brilliant 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 uh uh for the podcasting and uh yeah there's no more i used to call when i was still in radio you know three five ten years ago i used to call radio's number one competition a cell phone when you're in the car you're on your cell phone mm -hmm. so you can't listen to you know whomever in the morning whoever in the afternoon so uh whatever you know um it's a long, strange trip, as the Grateful Dead would say. Haha, <laughs> very nice, very nice. And and so let's start that trip at the beginning. I mean, how did you, yeah. you know, why did you want to get into radio, and how did you eventually break in? Especially back then, when, as you were saying, radio was not the only game in town, but the biggest game in town. But it was the biggest game in town. I had a friend that I went uh, through grade school with, 
uh, that became uh, an announcer on a station in Chicago called WBBM-FM, and he was their biggest personality. And uh, my wife at the time was pregnant, and uh, I was working for Van Heusen Shirt Company. And they wanted to transfer me uh, to replace a gentleman who died in New Orleans. Well, New Orleans back then in the in the late 60s, early 70s, wasn't what it was like today. I had the last name of Schwartz. Uh, I talk a mile a minute. I was supposed to, uh, you know, I'm as Jewish as Jewish can be. And they wanted to send me down to the state of Louisiana. And my mother even said, you know, they have uh, different people there that don't like Jews. <laughs> Whatever. Long story short, I called my friend at BBMFM. I said, just get me an interview. That's all I want, and I'll take care of everything else. Mm -hmm. I hit the interview out of the park, and I became a salesman at BBM FM. And uh, from there, uh, my career began. I love it. And I, I know I noticed I was looking up all those call letters that you sent me over uh, just to kind of see where they were and see what they were. And I noticed after a few years, you did get into sports. And, you know, us here at Win Daily, a couple things that we really love are sports, of course, but. We also really love sports gambling. And I saw you had you were on a station. And when I again, when I Googled it and looked it up, it was a sports book radio. And now this was back in the 70s or 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Right. How right. Uh, how was that a thing? Uh, 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 by accident. But you know what? I'm a firm believer, Michael, and I'll tell everybody out there. And it's the same thing even with gambling. Uh, uh, I'd rather be lucky than good. I'd rather meet that person uh, at O'Hare Airport when I was flying out of Chicago to go somewhere and you start talking to somebody. It, it just happened by accident. And I love the world of gambling. Uh, I don't think I've ever been good at it. Uh, so thank God for fantasy, because as I told you, yes, I've won twice in about 50 years in fantasy. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is, how did I get into it? Uh, you have to have a mouth and you have to know your right foot is the foot you have to get into the door. Even if you're a lefty, it's the right foot that's got to get into the door. And if you could back up what you say. If you can back up what you believe, you'll get in. Uh, uh, hopefully, you're interviewing with a good person. And how do you get into it? Uh, you know, it's sort of like when I told you off the air how fantasy football started for me back in 1992 when it was really called uh, rotisserie football uh, as an adjunct to the first fantasy was baseball for those people mm -hmm. who don't remember. Yep. It used to be called rotisserie baseball. Absolutely. But I guess my question on the sportsbook radio, and we'll, we'll get to that 1992 season, I promise you that, but the, on the sportsbook radio, was gam gambling wasn't legal, was it? Like how, gambling how you... wasn't legal, uh, and we always just said it. Gambling is not legal, so does it matter? <laughs> I mean, uh, legalized gambling. And I would ask your people, your bosses, uh, friends of mine that are big gamblers for years and years and years, did they care about legalized gambling? They all had a guy. Mm -hmm. If you have a guy, you can gamble. Absolutely. But you, I wouldn't have thought that this would just be, you know, uh, I can we, turn my, uh, it was turn renting. My it was renting our own time. Okay. Uh, small little suburban radio stations. You go in, you rent your own time, you do your own thing, and nobody cares what you're doing. And they don't think you have an audience. 
That's too funny. And they don't think you have an audience. And you know what? All it was is, and we didn't even know if we had an audience, but if you, if you threw out the phone number, the line rang. <laughs> One time, uh, this is a podcast, we're in the 2020 era, uh, everybody gets high, now it's legal, and everything else. One time, swear to God, I'm on phone lines, uh, hey, we got a call, line number one, uh, uh, what's your name? It's your mother. Oh, no. You haven't called me and dad in two weeks, honest to God, Michael. <laughs> My mother was ticked off at me and she called me on the radio to ball me out <laughs> that's fantastic oh my gosh i don't know what i would do if my mom did that to me when i'm on the uh, radio. you do the same thing as i did i hung up on her <laughs> oh goodness yeah i probably would my mom would understand uh, you know, she would probably think it's right funny. now she's pointing a finger at me from heaven but i mean the bottom line is is that you know if you don't try something i remember when draft kings and um uh, came out. Uh, uh, they were before uh, the other one, um, mm -hmm. uh, FanDuel, if I remember correctly. When they came out, I couldn't understand the system until I got behind it and I mm -hmm. researched and everything. Brilliant beyond belief. Brilliant beyond belief. Wanted to work for the guys, uh, but I wanted too much money. Um, <laughs> a, a, a brilliant beyond belief. Uh, as brilliant I will say this and go on record. DraftKings and then FanDuel, uh, as brilliant as Steve Jobs with Apple, as brilliant as uh, Bill Gates with Microsoft. And uh, when I put that in, every category is different. Uh, uh, they're so priced uh, effective on the stock market and everything. Brilliant design on how they started it, kept it going, and most important, how they kept it legal and have, you've yep. never seen any problem ever. It's well, an was amazing. There's a couple problems, but yeah, no, I think I understand your point and understand. Well, I mean, like, remember one to... thing: Apple, their first uh, releases really sucked. I returned my <laughs> iPhone four six times. Oh goodness! <laughs> what you iPhone know, are you on now? Uh, eleven Pro, waiting. Okay, all right, not bad, not bad. <laughs> I'm waiting for twelve, but you know. Uh, they say it'll still be released and, uh, you know, I'm waiting for 12, but I mean, I remember when I say when it came out, I questioned it. It was sort of like when, uh, you know, the media became doing radio shows, uh, like what we tried to do about gambling. Uh, it, it just was there to help people think. I mean, uh, you know, it's like when I started off in rock and roll radio, Michael, I still know all the words to all the classic rock songs. Mm -hmm. And I always say to my wife and to my grandkids, uh, why can't they teach in school using music by Lennon and McCartney? Most people can sing every Beatles song. Mm -hmm. So why can't I do calculus with it? Why can't I do this with it? I, I'm nuts. I can't help it. I would say you're nuts, but I like the way you're thinking because I'm a pretty big Beatles fan too. And so one thing I do want to talk a little bit about, you had this really, um, let's call it interesting promotion with the Chicago <laughs> White Sox. Um, many people have Correct. probably heard of it. I actually recently didn't hear about it. I didn't hear about it until probably within the last two years. Um, and then you sent, sent, you said, Hey, look at this. You know, I, I might've had a little hand in this and it was the disco demolition night 
for the Chicago White Sox. It was a doubleheader. This was in the age of rock and roll and disco and everyone. If you loved rock and roll, you hated disco and vice versa in most situations. Correct. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, how this promotion came to be and how crazy that night ended up becoming. You know, coming back again, uh, Lucky, I I got called by the general manager in 1977, I think it was. Uh, I was working at a rock and roll radio station across the street, WMET, and um, he wanted to hire me and bring me in as a the sales manager and also in charge of marketing and promotions. I said no three times. He said, I'm going to be at the Playboy bar. Meet me there at 530. Hungs up, hung up on me. And he was a good friend of mine. So I decided to go there, uh, meet with him and we're talking. I said, I just, you know, because back then we went through a lot of jobs Mm -hmm. because everything was new and the good ones were always offered a job. So all of a sudden you were here for six months, there for a year and a half, et cetera. And so, uh, I said, Les, I really don't want to, all of a sudden he goes into his, uh, inner pocket on his jacket, takes out a piece of paper, hands it to me, Michael, it was the first time I ever saw a contract with my name on it. All right. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I said, so wait, let me ask you a question, Les, and I won't give the figure uh, of money. Anytime within the next three years, if I, if I get fired, you have to pay me. And he nods his head as long as it's not something that's going to make me lose my radio license or get thrown in jail. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And I said, okay, that's the deal. And we were the loop FM 98 in Chicago and we hired out of Detroit, a gentleman named Steve Dahl, D-A-H-L, who really was Howard Stern before Howard Stern. He would kill me for saying that because he didn't do the sexual uh, end of it, which Howard did, but he did the goofiness. They have all these characters. All of a sudden he starts becoming popular. Mm-hmm. as can be, and our numbers are exploding. Numbers for those uh, that want to know our numbers, rating numbers, people started to pick up on us and all our other jocks with rock and roll. And he started, he had uh, gotten fired uh, from a radio station that was because they switched to disco. So of course he hated disco. So he would start doing disco records and he would go, I'm going to blow this sucker up. And he would take the needle and scratch the record. And then there'd be a sound effect of an explosion. And I blew that sucker up really good, you know, be it Jive talking Mm -hmm. or Donna Summer, whatever. So one day, for those who don't know, Chicago is probably their teams are more competitive than you are in New York with the Mets and Yankees. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Sox fans hated the Cubs, uh, and the Cubs owned the city even back then. And so Mike Beck, uh, the son of Bill Beck, who owned the White Sox at that time, uh, called me up, said, Schwartzy, we need to do something. We're, draw- we're drawing 5,000 people a game. And so I met him for dinner, which I never liked to do. Uh, I like to work during my work hours and my non-work hours. I wanted to be with my wife and or friends. I didn't want to be working. Mm -hmm. I met him. One thing came to another. I said, you know, Mike, I I got this fat F. (laughs) I don't know if you allow swearing on your pods. Um, And he does a fake uh, blowing up a record, Mm -hmm. disco record. Can you 
do that because for those of you who don't know, the White Sox were the first team in the major leagues to have an exploding scoreboard when a home run was hit. And he looks and he says, I think we can do that. Long story short, and I'll tell you how to see this long story shorter or more dramatic. Uh, after this, we did started promoting disco demolition. The White Sox were drawing about five a game, 5,000 a game. That's how bad they were doing. And uh, started promoting. Dow's killing me on the air for doing this. He thought if we draw 10,000, twice the amount of their people, uh, of their attendance, it's still going to look stupid because you're in a 50,000 seat ballpark. 10,000 people makes you look like you're at a Tampa Bay uh, Devil Rays game. <laughs> Uh, so we do it day of, we're promoting it like crazy. Everybody's talking about it. And by the way, there was a thing we were most popular with. We had a black and white t-shirt that you couldn't escape seeing. If you had long hair and a mustache, uh, and I'm not talking about the women, <laughs> I'm talking about the guys, uh, you were a looper. Mm -hmm. And, uh, all of a sudden we're in, uh, where the media congregates at about three o'clock, uh, in the afternoon. And we see walking towards uh, Comiskey park back then throngs of people in black and white t-shirts and they're all carrying a disco album. The promotion was bring a disco record. You get in for 98 cents. You get to see a double hunter. Well, there, there was never a second game, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, they stopped counting attendance at over 60,000. People were lined up everywhere, two and three standing room. You, I, who am the most hyped up person in the world, as you can hear me right now, I would have never. I had the highest expectation of 30,000 people. Mm -hmm. Uh Long story short, we blew it up real good, and uh, a riot on the field ensued. They burned uh, the field. Uh, nobody got hurt. Uh, I think there were like six or seven arrests. They brought in the riot police, all of them with their blue helmets, the Chicago Police Department with their blue helmets coming in, and the place went crazy. And for the next week, every major news story was all about us and this. Uh, I mean, and we do it the easiest way. So I don't continue talking about it. Go on YouTube. ESPN, uh, has a, if I'm correct, an hour documentary on it. Uh, just go on YouTube, uh, then hit disco demolition, 1979, and you will be amazed by what you see. I have seen part of that. I have seen some of the pictures. Um, the, the the White Sox had to forfeit the second game, if I'm not mistaken, Correct. which is Correct. just crazy. But um, yeah. Well, I no, mean, because you'll see yeah. when yep. you see the video, they're burning the field. <laughs> and by the way, where they put the canister, which was out of the big dumpster to put all, they probably put 20,000 albums in the dumpster where they put the dumpster, which had nothing to do with us that burned the field mm -hmm. <laughs> and they had to get rid of, uh, uh, they would have never uh, completed a game. And, uh, but we knew in the first game. That was not a baseball crowd. That was a oh. rock and roll crowd. That's and I, the coolest thing of that was so many people want a watershed moment in their life. And if you're in the radio slash media business, 
to survive, you got to have a pretty big ego. Mm-hmm. You really have to have, when people make fun of LeBron with what he says and does, you know what? He's got an ego and deserves to have an ego because of the career he's had. But, you know, we all had an ego, and to have that as a watershed moment, and it's still listed uh, as one of Sports Illustrated baseball's top 100 moments in the history of baseball. (laughs) The one time that the fans of the white Sox burned the field and they didn't get to play a game isn't that awesome gotta love baseball man <laughs> hey the next baseball. day i hardly i didn't leave the ballpark till like three o'clock in the morning with my boss because we had to do insurance stuff and everything oh, else gosh. with the, the white Sox management i i had to get on a plane the next day our biggest client uh at that time was chevrolet mm-hmm. where chevrolet based out of Detroit. Who were we playing? Detroit. I had to go on a plane and try to say these weren't significant of, uh, you know, if you don't think these people drive Chevys, (laughs) they canceled a big order. Oh, no. Well, yeah. You're still, you, you made it this far, so I think everything's fine. But yeah, I do suggest, and I'll probably even take that uh, YouTube clip and throw it in the show notes so people get a little opportunity. And I know I only have you for a couple more minutes, so I do want to touch upon that 1992 season. So as you said, if you're, you're in the media and you're in radio for a long time, you have a big ego. So you've been in it for 50 years, so I can only imagine the size of your head at this point. But in 1992... <laughs> You said I still you had... have all my hair, too, by the way, <laughs> at 71 years old. Good for you, man. Not bad. Yep. Um, but um, in 1992, as you said, you were one of the first fantasy radio program stations. I was the first. Call it. So tell us a little I bit about I was the first. Uh, I was that. the mar- – at that time, I was the marketing director for WSCR in Chicago, which really was the second uh, big market – all sports station, uh, obviously FAN in New York was first. Mm-hmm. And um, we started, and my brother-in-law turned me on to fantasy football, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I became addictive. Uh, you know, uh, it was the most amazing thing uh, in the world to me, and uh, we were uh, not your prototypical sports uh, talk radio. We had characters doing um our shows, sort of like uh, anybody who's familiar with uh, WFAN, Mike and the Mad Dog were a lot mm-hmm. different than the rest of the talent. Yes. And so uh, I sat down with uh, the general manager and uh, the program director at the time. I said, we got to do this. So uh, it took me a little salesmanship to get it done. Uh, so every Sunday uh, from 8 to 10 in the morning in Chicago, uh, I started a fantasy football uh, uh, broadcast. We, uh, you used Spaceball's name, which was my code name on the score uh, because of the movie Spaceballs. And we started it. And uh, it was interesting. I used to have people, my producer, we'd go to a commercial break and my producer would uh, press the talk back button and say, Space, there's a guy on the phone. He can't wait any longer. He's going to church with his wife. She'll kill him if he knows he's on the phone. Could you answer a question for him first? And, you know, it made me proud and happy that uh, that it was working. Mm-hmm. And the, the only regret I have, I think I said it to you off the air, is that I didn't get involved in making the business when you look at how big the business of fantasy football is right now. It truly was gambling before gambling was legalized. Yep. 
Exactly. I mean, I, I was in I was in my personal league. I was in a thousand dollar a team league. Whoa. You know, ten guys were in the league. A thousand dollars each, winner take all. So guess what? At the end of the season, after uh, 14 weeks, I think it was back then, uh, you know, at the end, somebody's going to walk away with $9,000 out of a $1,000 investment. And, uh, yeah, so it was legalized gambling That's without being legal. That's some heavy stakes, man. Good for you guys back then, especially. Oh, no, I loved it. No computers, no internet. How are you even capable of paying? You know what, though, Michael? No internet made it so much more fun because then draft night was the greatest night of the year. Mm -hmm. We used to show up, uh, the winner would get of, of the previous year would get to choose where he would want the draft. So some people that would be 30 miles away would have to drive all that way. Um, it was phenomenal to do the draft. People would bring, uh, we would have a trading cards, so if you drafted the person, we'd have a girl there that would walk over to your side of the table, hand you the player's card. Wow. It was awesome. It was awesome. awesome. But I have to tell you before you get rid of me, one of the funniest fantasy football stories in my career. Lay okay. On. If you're ready. Okay. At the score. And I think you could even tell it now. I have a very distinctive voice mm -hmm. and, and I'm loud. And so, uh, at the score, our football expert was Coach Ditka, Mike Ditka. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a talk renewal. So uh, I'm at Ditka's restaurant right off of Michigan Avenue with his agent. We're talking, waiting for Ditka to show up uh, for dinner and to talk about his contract. All of a sudden, a young guy... Uh, Looked like a senior in high school, but he probably wasn't. No, he had to be in college because he was drinking. So he comes up to the table and he goes, excuse me, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. What do you want? Are you space ball from the score? <laughs> Guy heard me. He was at a table of about six, seven, eight guys. The guy heard me, and I said, yeah. He said, oh, my God. And he says to the, turns around says to the guy, it is Spaceball. And now I'm getting embarrassed and red-faced because mm -hmm. I'm in a very nice restaurant. And they rented one of the meeting rooms to do their fantasy football draft in there. Okay? So, I, I, you know, they, they, I do an autograph, sit down, and I said, I'm going to blow their mind. When coach comes here, I'm going to ask him if I can take him in and introduce him. That's awesome. Okay, so coach sits down, and it's his restaurant, so he's a little bit nicer than normal. <laughs> we take him in. I take him in. The guys go crazy. Here's Coach Ditkin, his restaurant, and he says, you know, I'm going to order all of you guys. And he calls in uh, one of the uh, waitresses, uh, and they were called waitresses back then. Um, first beer's on me. Yay! They all applaud him, and I see the draft board behind me, right? Mm -hmm. One of them, team's name, Ditka sucks, you fill in the blank. <laughs> I'm trying to hide it, so Ditka doesn't see it. So we say, thank you, we're walking out, and Ditka turns and looks and he sees the board where I'm trying to hide it. And he walks up to the board and says, whose team is this? 
two guys sheepishly raise their hand. Ditka looks at the waitress and says, different order. Everybody gets a beer, but those two a-holes, Ditka walks out. That's awesome. <laughs> that is too fantastic. It's that amazing. He still had the ego. <laughs> Could you imagine being those two guys? You're in Ditka's restaurant. Exactly. And the like, coach walks in. You're in his <laughs> restaurant. You're insulting him there. I mean, that it's pretty fantastic. Uh, shout out to those guys for even raising their hands. I would have just pretended like I didn't exist or, or left. Well, the there were like point. eight or 10 people in the room. Somebody had to admit it yep. <laughs> because Ditka would have pushed it. I oh. know Ditka. We worked directly with him for five or six years. Uh, he actually replaced uh, Walter. Walter, uh, may he rest in peace, Walter Payton, uh, mm-hmm. actually was our football expert before Ditka. Wow. So he replaced and everything else, and uh, it's it just amazing. But I, I, I'm telling you, fantasy football, I'm, I'm itching. I'm itching. I'm itching to start getting ready, and I don't know what's going to happen with football this year. Cross <sighs> your fingers. Positivity. That's what we're spreading here, Jeffrey. I told you that. We're spreading positivity. We think it's all it's I am be, positive. I am positive, okay. and I can't wait. Okay, I'm going to ask you a good question, Michael. Okay. You have the first pick in your draft. Mm. Who do you take? That is a good question. I don't know. The la- I think uh, last Forgetting year. Forgetting about a- your love of the Giants. Yes, I do love the Giants. I do think they will be actually be slightly improved this year. So I would. Yes, so do I. I. I think I would Saquon because again, I am I am biased. Um, Christian McCaffrey, even with no quarterback, he's still incredible. So he's an easy one. And then I think last well, year. Well, don't I had forget a- he. Right. See, I would have chosen McCaffrey. Yeah, I would say uh, him, him or McCaffrey, and then maybe Kamara, depending on what he looked like, because he was hurt a lot last year as well, so that right. kind of stunk. But I would, but I would choose three. McCaffrey because, don't forget, he played more than half the season last year with, was it Kyle Allen? Exactly, yeah, he played with nobody. And he played with nobody. Bridgewater is better than nobody, and Bridgewater <laughs> is pretty good to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I would take McCaffrey, uh, obviously – Saquon scares me because sophomore jinx for Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zeke, that organization is so screwed up. I There's know, a rumor it. today. I'm going to announce the rumor today uh, if this is dated. What are we, April 14th? Uh, I think so, yeah. I, I, there is a rumor today that I saw on ESPN that Dallas will trade uh, uh, Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. For the uh, to um, uh, uh, Miami for the fifth pick, so they could take Tua. I will write that down. I'm going to leave it in the episode. Okay. Um, and it should not it my rule, even though I would do it because I don't know why why they're playing games with Dak. Yeah. I don't, so there has I don't to be understand. something there. There has to be something there. But, you know, I'm so tired of people saying uh, two is a generational player. And he is. So then stop saying, but he's gotten hurt every year. Okay, Mm -hmm. we could look at everybody who's gotten hurt every year. Who was it? Your quarterback back then when you were a young pup. Didn't Phil Sims get hurt every year, then all of a sudden he took him to the Super Bowl? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, and then we yeah. went, then we won the Super Bowl without him the second time with Hostetler, I think. So uh, right. yeah, it's it's a weird world. So the quote then. unquote, you know, stop talking about the injuries. It happens. Uh, Tui even said it. Hey, this isn't badminton of the swim team. 
<laughs> I get hurt every year. And yep. you know what? Uh, if he's a general generational player, then take him. I completely agree. Um, and I just think it's funny. You know, the Giants have the opportunity to take him, but we have Daniel Jones, and I, I will ride with him. We'll see how it goes. But Jeffrey, he looked really good. I was really surprised. Uh, you know, and Sterling Shepard is a much better player than giving credit for. It. And, uh, you know, the, the Giants, you know, you and I talked about before the call, when you have a new head coach. And, you know, uh, you can't work with the players now because of the situation uh, with coronavirus. Uh, I wonder how long it's going to take everybody to get into step and make this uh, the league we thrive for and live for. And I got money in my bank account soon that is just for I want to do tell your owners I want to do an expensive fantasy football league. Only 10 guys. So every team is an all star team, maybe Mm. eight guys. Ooh. and winner-take-all format. My goodness. We'll leave it out there. Well, I'll put, how about this? I'll put your email address in the show notes, so if anyone out there would like, they can contact you. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, you can no, do it anyways. I don't care. Yeah. You know what's the great thing? It's not like a phone call. The great thing is all I have to do is sit and hit delete. I mean, it's no big deal. You know, I'm retired. I want the activity to talk to these people. I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, Jeffrey, I know you have to go. I have to get running to this was absolutely fantastic. Jeffrey Schwartz, Spaceball, Chicago radio, been in the business for 50 years, sportsbook radio, the first fantasy sports radio. There was so much more I had written down on my page, but we never got to, and I'm okay with that. Then we'll do do another one. We get to do it. I got nothing to do. I love it. I love it. This has been fantastic. We'll do another one. I can't watch Monday Night Football like last night, Brett Favre beating the Green Bay Packers. I mean, okay. I knew, uh, you know, I think guys like Wynn Daly should find people who don't know the end of the game and put it out there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, at some point we might have to start doing that if we're going to be doing this for a couple more months. No, you promised me we'll be back. I do think. I think by I think by July everything will be back to normal. Uh, These bio tests, I think there are so many people that are, uh, what is it, a, uh, whatever it is that you have it, but uh, you can't pass it on and you're not going to get it, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, we'll be back. And Win Daily will be back and people have to watch that because I know I'm going to get the Win Daily guys to be in my fantasy league. We have some money, man. I promise you that. (laughs) Oh, hey, I saw the winnings of your owners. Oh, my God. (laughs) Don't worry. uh, We're doing pretty well over here. We're very happy about it. Jeff, where can everyone – do you have a Twitter account or anywhere that people can find you online? I I really do. Uh, Here, hold. Uh, You know what? I'll send you my uh, Twitter account because I did one thing wrong when I opened it up. Blame old age. Uh, I have the worst Twitter address in the history of the world. Um, but if anybody wants to reach out uh, to me, it's getting Schwartz. If you want to get me, getting Schwartz at gmail.com. I love it. Thanks so much. Jeff. And I'll send you the that. other information. Yes, and I'll please. send you uh, other information that we talked about beforehand, and then we'll continue talking. Cannot wait. Talk to you soon, Jeff. Thanks, Michael, and give my best to everybody.